In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love words. I like to ponder words and what they mean and how they came to be. And for certain words, why we use them in different and varied ways. And then I'm also intrigued by the unavoidable reality of semantic drift, the changing of words and their meanings over time. And it's intrigued me for many years, such as how did the word awful, which formerly meant full of awe, like the awe that we ascribe to God, come to mean something hideous and terrible? Oh, that's just awful. And while we're on terrible, how did the word terrific which used to mean something we now used to mean something praiseworthy or well done depart from the family of words that inspired terrible and terrifying now the reason i bring this up is because it's something that saint paul says in his letter to the galatians that i think we misunderstand especially here in the united states of america and sometimes the word does not mean what we think it means or it has achieved a semantic drift that focuses the word in the wrong direction. And perhaps, knowing that this is always the case with words like this one, St. Paul even warns the Galatians about the meaning of this word. And the word is freedom. What does freedom mean as a concept? And what does it mean as Christ followers. And perhaps for us, with a rather new and different understanding of this word, what does freedom mean as citizens of a country that equates liberty and freedom with virtue and right? Let's look at the word freedom and kind of tumble it around for a second. Looking up the word in the Oxford English Dictionary, I noticed that there were four corresponding definitions and usage for the word freedom. The first use of freedom is understood to be a release, a setting free from bondage or from tyranny, either as a slave or as someone under the rule of a despotic government. The next two definitions talk about the quality or the spirit of something, like the freedom a horse feels when he's running. A different way of saying that the horse runs with complete abandon. The last entry for freedom is about the right to exercise liberty without bounds or within at least a prescribed set of bounds. Now, St. Paul, and we always have to remember that St. Paul is writing in Greek, uses a word that more closely aligns with the first definition of freedom, the loosing and releasing from slavery or from an oppressive rule. For freedom, Christ has set you free. But what on earth does that mean? Freedom from what? And this is where the lectionary doesn't do us any favors because it left out the previous chapter and in the middle of the argument omits 11 verses that explain exactly what Christ has set us free from. Paul has been writing and making the point in everything that leads up to this verse that we, those of us who are baptized, 
and sealed by the Holy Spirit are set free from the law, or at least the portions of the law that require certain rites and rituals for membership into the community. Such things as circumcision, circumcision, kosher dietary laws, Sabbath observances. These were all hindrances for Gentiles, us, to come into the community that Christ was forming in Abraham's promises of hundreds of years before. The freedom that Paul is talking about here is freedom from the bondage of sin and death. Freedom from being outsiders of a family to being insiders and adopted as sons and heirs of that family. The yoke of slavery is the yoke to sin. And the burden of that slavery is the fear of death. And it's lifted in this freedom that St. Paul has spent a good deal of Galatians explaining and writing about. But being free from something does not mean for St. Paul, or even for most of the governments around the globe, that we are free to do whatever we want, whatever we wish, whatever seems right to us, no matter who else may get hurt. And this is where I fear many Christians stop in their walk, and they don't move very much further forward. We sometimes talk about Christ forgiving our past sins. And then we talk about Christ forgiving all of our sins, both past, present, and future, so that we have sort of a spiritual get-out-of-hell card. Therefore, we can do whatever we want, whatever pleases us, because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and have been baptized. But that's not at all what St. Paul is saying. And that is not what any of the other writers of the New Testament says, nor is it what Jesus is recorded as teaching in the four Gospels. Yes, we are free from the bondage of sin and the yoke of slavery. But we are freed into living as true human beings to live in the way that God intended us to live. We are free to live as Christ lived. Now, while I personally hated the, the marketing campaign of the late 1990s, the what would Jesus do? You know, the bracelets and the coffee cups and the bumper stickers, and I think there was even Bibles written with what would Jesus do. While I really didn't like the marketing campaign, that's exactly what we are called to do in our freedom. We are freed and redeemed to go and do the things that Jesus would indeed do. The concept of this is rather easy. It's the application of it that becomes rather difficult, rather hard. And St. Paul gives us a list of things that would bring us back under the yoke of the slavery of sin back into the way that is opposed to our status as free people, as free Christians. A few from that list include fornication, being sexually deviant, and these sins that are, do not glorify the union of a man and a woman in marriage. 
idolatry, the putting of self, or maybe even stuff, perhaps even family, and a whole host of other gods, little g-gods, above our god, and ascribing more worth to them. Sorcery, the attempt to conjure up predictions, the attempt to talk to the dead, even casting spells on others, like, you know, the tarot card readings and the seances and voodooism. Carousing, going to wild parties or the local strip clubs or the drunken and debauched parties that are gateways for drugs and sex and perhaps even violence. And this is just a few. There, you have that whole list in your leaflet. But I chose these because some of these are what seem normal, what seem to be good and true in secular society. And they are exactly what we are called away from in our Christian living. Now, does that mean that sex is bad? No, absolutely not. It is a beautiful, loving, and literally a life-giving act and a sacrament of the church when enjoyed between a man and a woman in a monogamous union blessed by the church. Is it fine? Is it, is it all right to have fine things? Is having fine things a sin? No, absolutely not. If it doesn't take place of the prime example of your life or the prime place in your life and it becomes an idol. Is it a sin to study the moon for planting your garden or charting tides and weather patterns? Well, no, that's partly what science does. But when you channel the forces of the occult and place your faith in them, then yes, that is a very desperate problem indeed. Do we have to be solemn and morose all the time and not go to a friend's house for dinner? Quite the contrary. We should be the most joy-filled of all creatures because of what we know that Jesus has done for us. And we should celebrate every day, not just Sundays, the remarkable and redeeming grace of God through God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But that doesn't mean that we get drunk every day or go to places that monopolize sex or exploit the bodies of others for some gratification. Christ has made us free to grow and produce what Paul calls the fruits of the Spirit. Let's think about fruit for a minute. Many fruits are sweet to eat. Some of them we use to flavor our food and drink. Others, and many of them, even have medicinal purposes that have been studied. Fruit is also something that we can share with others who are in need, and it produces itself on trees and bushes. Think about how many apples or peaches or pears one tree may produce in its lifetime. Or the number of grapes a vine can produce in just one season. This is how we are to live. Constantly producing good fruit in the name of Christ.
We are made free by Jesus to bear the fruits of love, joy, peace, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as St. Paul says, there is no law against these anywhere. Who among us or who among the world would not be astonished by seeing someone live out their life in this way, always being loving, always being generous, always showing what kindness and patience looks like, especially when the days seem dark and when the world looks grim. And these words, to me anyways, feel light, feel like they have a buoyancy, love and joy and peace. Compared to the other list that Paul gives us of quarrels and anger and drunkenness, they seem to carry a weight and a burden just by even pronouncing them. Another way to put this is that we are set free by Christ with the permission to be the freest and truest humans we can be and a way to become the freest and truest humans is to pattern our lives after Jesus and to live into the fullness of being sons of God, being sons and daughters of God. Yes, there is liberty, but just like the laws of this country, there are certain boundaries that we must live within to be good and upstanding citizens. So it is with the ways of Christ. With our freedom in Christ also comes responsibility. And in that responsibility, we have a newfound freedom to look for ways to be examples, to be beacons, pointing the way to Christ for others. It is our freedom that gives us permission. Let me repeat that. It's our freedom that gives us permission to minister to all people. It is our freedom in Christ that gives us courage to stand and face the adversaries of the day and to be bold both in prayer and in action in Christ's name. The freedom we have in Jesus is not just about being freed from something, from sin, and death, and the grave, but it's also the freedom to be free for something. And that something is to be the bearers of Christ's image to this world. For freedom Christ has set you free. Stand firm therefore. And do not submit again to, to the yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.